Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Beth Hill and I sing with the chancel choir. Let us prepare our hearts for worship as we bow our heads for the prayer of invocation. We seek to gather as children of your realm, reigning God. This is the time and place of your dominion. We recognize that you, not we, prescribe the rules under which life can be rich and full and free. Help us in this hour to embrace the best we know. Open our thoughts and feelings so we may learn better ways. We approach you with boldness, daring to question and make requests, knowing that your grace and mercy exceed our wildest imagining, and your guidance is ever available to those who ask. Amen. Let us praise God through our worship. Will you please stand for the call to worship? 
Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God, it is he that made us. And we are his, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God. Jesus said, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Responding to Jesus' invitation, let us pray our confession together. Eternal God, our judge and redeemer, we confess that we have tried to hide from you, for we have done wrong. We have lived for ourselves and apart from you. We have turned from our neighbors and refused to bear the burdens of others. We have ignored the pain of the world and passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. In your great mercy, forgive our sins and free us from selfishness, that we may choose your will and obey your commandments. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. We see in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, telling us that by God's great mercy, we have been given a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus, we are forgiven. We now affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I would like to invite the children to come forward while we pass the peace of the Lord to one another. Good morning. This, you have brought, did you bring your Bible this morning? Wonderful. Excellent. You guys, I'm the music director. I do the music here, and I was asked to do the children's moment, and I was thinking what to do, and then I, what happened is I woke up with a song, and you might know this song, and if you do, and congregation too, can you help me sing it? Raindrops and roses and whiskers of kittens, bright coppers, kettles, marmolin mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my Okay, thank you. That's great. That's from The Sound of Music. Do you know that? Have you heard that before? The song, My Favorite Things. Yes. So it made me think about my favorite things. And I was wondering, do you guys have favorite things? You, tell me what. What do you, what's your favorite thing? My favorite thing is mm. ice cream. Ice cream. Oh, my gosh. I agree. That's a great one. Any other ones? Any other favorite things that you can think of? Well, I can tell you about my favorite thing. I had a favorite thing, and it was taken away for about a year and a half. Can you imagine? I loved my favorite thing, but I don't think I did something bad. I, I just think that COVID took it away. And my favorite thing was the choir right there in the back. They were gone for a year and a half. And then finally, we got the choir back after a year and a half. And praise be to God for this. We're so excited. Because you know what? We we praise God through music. Did you know that? When you come to worship, so sometimes we worship God with the choir. Yes, and there's other ways to worship God. Sometimes we worship God with handbells. Sometimes we get to worship God with the mighty organ. Wow. 
wow, <laughs> that's fun, isn't it? So Psalm 150 says, Praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with psaltery and harp. Praise him with a timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. And praise him with loud cymbals. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. So we get to make a lot of noise when we worship God. And sometimes music is one of our favorite things. So please pray with me. Dear God, thank you for loving us. And we give you thanks for our favorite things and ice cream. Thank you for giving all kinds of ways to praise you and to help us make joyful noise, to celebrate you always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you can go with Miss Carol. Thank you. Boy, when the music director gets to do the children's sermon, she pulls out all the stops. I'll tell you, holy smokes. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. You know what one of my most favorite things is? A Michigan victory. Yes. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for being here and congratulating me on our undefeated season. We are so glad that you're here and lots of things for you to look forward to as we carry out our life together here at Church of the Palms. We have, uh, even in this moment, a blood bank that's sitting outside. If you would like to give blood, a precious gift of blood, uh, now is the time. There's an urgent need for it. And so if you have that time in your schedule today, just stop by there, and they would be happy to receive you. Uh, we're grateful for that opportunity to give to our neighbor. If you would like to learn more about the membership here at Church of the Palms, you've come to the right place at the right time, because Mingi will be leading a class at 1015 uh, right after the service over in the chapel reception room so just make your way over there you don't have to sign on the dotted line if you don't want to but if you'd like to learn more about life together here at Church of the Palms we would love to have you join us for that uh, we are looking forward to in a few weeks couple weeks uh, our our annual traditional chili cook-off one of the great spiritual events of our, of our year. Uh, and we would love to have you join us for that. And we would love to have you contribute. Uh, and, uh, but even more importantly, we'd love to have you come and try it out. And if you would like to add your chili to the pot, Mingi will be the other the person you talk to as well, uh, because it's a great time of fellowship. And, uh, and bring your Rolaids. We are grateful to have Melvin Christian with us today. Dr. Reverend Christian is uh, a member, a volunteer member of our staff who has been helping us out with uh, visitation and making phone calls and making sure that we are staying connected to people as they go through some crises in their life. And so we're grateful to have you here. Melvin, would you welcome Melvin into our midst? Yes. Melvin and his wife, Mary, are regular attenders at the 11 o'clock service. You know, that other service. <laughs> and we are looking forward to next week to have as our guest preacher, Dr. Cleo LaRue. And Dr. LaRue is one of the great preachers in our country and has uh, been serving for a long time as the professor of homiletics, preaching at uh, Princeton Theological Seminary. He will be here that weekend, uh, this coming weekend, to do a preaching workshop on Saturday in conjunction with Light of the World International Church, our sister congregation. And then we'll be preaching here in our pulpit on Sunday morning. So we look forward to having him. And now we also look forward to having Genevieve share with us another announcement. God is doing a new thing this year in our beautifully renovated chapel. In addition to being a space of worship, we will rejoice with the new upgrades by having music presentations from local, wonderful local musicians. You know, musicians have had a tough year. And as you probably all know, in that time of silence, I think many of us have discovered how essential music is to our well-being. So we have a total of six performances on our series, five in the chapel and one last big one in the sanctuary. Ten dollars 
gets you a light lunch between 11.45 and 12.30 in the campus center and a wonderful performance starting at 12.30 in the chapel. So come feed yourself, and by doing so, you are feeding our artists who are starving to perform. The trendy expression these days is FOMO, which is fear of missing out. You don't want to be the one that says, oh no, everybody's talking about how great the performance was and I missed it. So I hope to see you this coming Wednesday to hear the Key Chorale Chamber Singers, a smaller group, and they will raise the roof of the chapel, there's no doubt. So we'll be selling tickets after the service, and you can get them online or in the main office, but the seats are really limited, so get yours today. I hope to see you there. Thank you. Let us pray. We are indeed singing your praises, Lord, and rejoicing for our lives that are becoming a little bit fuller every day. One step at a time, you are leading us out of the long wilderness of COVID. And throughout, we have been reminded of the manna that you have continuously provided to us every step of the way. We give you thanks for the joy of slowly rebuilding our communities, for the rich life of faith that we get to share as the body of Christ, whether online or in person, and for the many ways you allow us to praise you and to serve you. The ushers are ushering, the tutors are tutoring, the singers are singing. We are grateful to you, O oh God. We ask for wisdom as we seek to obey your spirit, Lord. Inspire in us the desire to keep our minds in the teaching of your word, rather than spending hours reading words that upset our souls, that divide your people, and that have no lasting power. Keep us away from the distractions and from the many available sources that seek to create conflict Remind us how to speak face to face, how to love our neighbor. Place your healing touch this day on those who are feeling anxiety and depression. Remind them that they can lay their troubles at your feet. 
Ease the noise in their minds so they may hear your gentle guiding spirit. We pray for the people who struggle to afford rent or who can't find a home in this difficult housing period. Put a roof over every one of your children's head, O oh Lord. Bring rest to those who can't sleep at night because they live with guilt, fears, haunting memories, or excessive stress. You alone are the great healer. We ask that you restore those who are in the hospital and suffering, those facing surgery, those who live with chronic pain, and bring peace to those who are about to make their journey home to you. Protect the brave people who serve our country and guide the ones who have been selected to lead us all so we may live peacefully with one another. We pray all these things as we join together, repeating the words Jesus taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God first graced us with many gifts as we read in the first words of the Bible. God gave us the green earth, the beautiful sunshine, the stars, the seas, and the animals. God was certainly very generous with our little amazing corner of the world. In return on this beautiful morning, we give back a small portion of what we get to enjoy. The ways of giving are listed in your bulletin and on your screen, and there are also baskets at each door when you enter or leave the sanctuary. Let us give with joyful hearts.
You may be seated. Those of you that didn't hear Melvin's prayer, it was a really good prayer. I just want you to know that. We'll get that corrected for next service. Our scripture today from our common lectionary comes from the gospel according to Mark, the 10th chapter, beginning at the 17th verse. Hear the word of God. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing, go sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astounded and said to one another, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, look, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, there is no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. Close to some 200 years ago, a candidate for the ministry and a seminarian, Charles Darwin, took great fascination in the world around him as the canvas through which God was revealing himself to the world. His curiosity led him to a deeper and deeper observation of the natural world, culminating in a five-year voyage around the globe on a ship called the Beagle. And one of the questions that Mr. Darwin was most curious about was how was it that the world became so beautifully diverse We don't have just one kind of flower, we have a million kinds of flowers. We don't just have one bird, we have a million kinds of birds. We don't just have one animal, we have a million kinds of animals. We don't just have one kind of human, we have a million kinds of humans. And from all his intense observation from his countless stops across the globe, Mr. Darwin surmised that the great diversity of creation came about through a process called natural selection that species arise and fall based upon their strength to survive and adapt to the environment around them. Survival of the fittest was a later label given to Mr. Darwin's findings, that what we see in the world today is the result of the survival of the fittest, that there's a reason why the dodo bird and the Tasmanian wolf and the dinosaurs no longer roam the earth, that they were unable to defend themselves against the forces against them. They did not survive because they were not the strongest, they were not the fittest. Now the truth is people of faith greatly differ over the veracity of Mr. Darwin's findings and theory and you will be glad to know that this sermon has no interest in sparking that debate. Except to say that one of the great contributions that people of faith offer to the conversation around the nature and destiny of creation 
is that when God created the heavens and the earth, we believe, and when God saw fit to create the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and the plants and the animals of the earth, what people of faith largely agree upon is that God created human beings in God's own image. It's one of the great truths from the first pages of the Bible, that human beings have been set apart in bearing the image of God, that there's something different about us, in that we are the ones who were put on this planet to carry out the purposes of God, to tend the garden, to name the beast, to be in relationship with the Creator. This we can largely agree upon, at least I hope. And thus, one of the great adventures of being human and being persons of faith is to understand what that means. What does it mean to be image bearers? Especially in light of the fact that we human beings wrestle with our temptations around the philosophy of life, of the survival of the fittest. I mean, let's face it, from the very beginning, going all the way back to Cain and Abel, we human beings are tempted to employ as a way of life Mr. Darwin's theory that it is the strongest to survive. The stronger you are, the better off you are. That's why we have wars. It's why we have weapons, it's why we have gated communities, it's why we have security systems, it's why we have clubs and private schools, it's why we have grade point averages, it's why we have Cadillac health care plans, it's why we have sports, it's why I cry myself to sleep after the Dodgers beat the Cardinals with a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning this past week. <sighs> we have our own natural selection systems. Ironically, it is this survival of the fittest mentality that contributes most greatly to our stress, our anxiety, our worry, and even to our worst behaviors. Will I have enough, we ask? Will I come out on top? Will I be okay? Will my team win? Will my group come to power? These are the things that worry us and about which we can sometimes rage, over which we can sometimes lose friends. So when Jesus preaches about the kingdom of God, as he does over and over and over and over again, it seems to be his way to get us back to this question that we too often distract ourselves from while we're busy surviving. And the question is, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be the image bearers of God? What does our world look like in contrast to the dog-eat-dog -dog world around us? So it should come as no surprise that when Jesus teaches us about the kingdom of God, it often comes to us as a great shock and surprise. It feels foreign. It feels alien. It feels like some alien kingdom he's talking about. It feels, frankly, to us like it is out of the question. Which explains, I suppose, this conversation between Jesus and, as Mark calls him, the man with many possessions, the rich man, the wealthy man. In New Testament terms, a rich person is a person who has more than he needs. So the rich man asks Jesus a deep question, and the question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which is really another way of asking the question, how do I live the image-bearing life? How do I live this life bearing the image of God? How do I live life in the kingdom of God? How do I be human? The rich man asks Jesus a deep question. And after Jesus rattles off for him the list of the Ten Commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not lie, you shall honor your mother and your father, the rich man, having passed all those, the rich man is still not content. He's not pleased with that answer. The answer is not deep enough, he thinks, for the question he's asked. The answer is not deep enough for the question he's asked. How, Jesus, do I fully participate in the kingdom? How do I fully bear the image of God? How do I really be human? Give me the deep answer. 
because there's a deep spot in me that needs answering. So answer me, Jesus. Take me out to the deep. Do you remember the deep end when you were a kid? The deep end of the pool, the deep end of the lake, the deep end of the ocean? In my young days, I remember almost living at the St. Clair Shores public pool, which was only a block away from my house, the best $6 my mother ever spent in annual pool pass. <laughs> and for a long time, I hung out in the shallow end of the pool, first because I didn't know how to swim, second, when I learned how to swim, I didn't like the idea of not being able to touch bottom. Life is kind of scary when you don't touch bottom. In the deep end, you have no bottom to touch. And I can remember the day when my dad walked me out to the deep end of our local lake, Lake St. Clair, and he held onto my arms and he pulled me deeper and deeper and deeper until he knew that we were at a place where I could no longer touch bottom. And he told me, okay now, I am going to let go, and you are going to be okay. And I said, no, you are not going to let go, and no, I am not going to be okay. And I clenched his arms as tight as I could, and he pried my vice grips from his forearms, and he let me go. And I paddled and I kicked and I spittered and I spattered and I choked and I swam. And it was amazing. And it was one of the many great things my father did for me. He caused me to let go in the deep end where you can't touch bottom. And it was so much better than being in the shallow end. Riskier, yes. More tiring, yes. Riptides, possibly, yes. Ah, but to float upon the sea and to be held up by the water and to stroke and to ride the waves and to dive sometimes from the high dive. Oh, life is good in the deep end. Which explains, I suppose, when the rich man wants to go deeper, when the rich man really wants to go to the deep end, Mark tells us that, Je that Jesus looked at him and loved him. Loved him. Loved him for wanting to go deep. And loved him by then taking him into the deep. He loved him. Can you hear that? That when Jesus attempts to pull us into the deep end, that when Jesus attempts to teach us about the kingdom of God, that when Jesus attempts to show us what it really likes to be human, that this is the way he knows to love us. That as much as we like touching bottom, as much as we like hate the idea of letting go, that as much as we cannot be sure that we may not be able to keep our head above water, the only way Jesus knows to love us is to take us into the deep. So Jesus says to the rich man, time to let go. Let go of what you have. And the rich man says, I don't want to let go. And Jesus says, it's time to let go. Life won't be as good unless you let go. But, 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 the rich man says, but, but, but all these things, I love these things. I love my bank balance. I love my rainy day fund. Because they're the bottom. That, that's what I get to touch. The shallow end, you don't have to worry about those things. And Jesus says, but didn't you want the deep answer? I thought you wanted to be in the deep end. Let go, and life will be good. Risky, yes. Uncertain, yes. Scary, yes. Ah, but to float upon the grace of the one who loves you 
enough to take you into the deep? Oh, nothing better. But what if I don't survive? And Jesus says, you'll be okay. I feed the birds of the air. I clothe the lilies of the field. You'll be okay. And Mark tells us that the rich man was shocked. Later, when Jesus told the disciples that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, Mark says that they were astounded, shocked and astounded. And when you're shocked and astounded, it's usually because you've learned that the world is not as you thought it was. It's usually because your presumptions have been challenged, that the way you thought life was supposed to be is not the way it's supposed to be. But that's what Jesus does, right? He shocks and astounds. He astounds us by telling us to let go, loving us, loving us enough to let go. And it's not just what we have in our closets and in our bank accounts. Most certainly it includes that, but it's not limited to that because we have so many things that we don't want to let go of, right? We, maybe it's our pride. We all got some pride that we, that we get to let go of, don't we? Or maybe it's our hard-headed opinions. You know, you got any of those hard-headed opinions? Maybe Jesus wants you to let go of those. Maybe it's your anger. Life has not been fair. People have not been fair. The world has not been fair. And you're angry and you want to hold on to that anger like a security blanket. Or maybe it's your hurt. You've been hurt by someone you've loved or whom you thought loved you and you got this hurt now and you want to hold on and nurse this hurt and you hate letting go of that hurt. Or maybe it's your resentment. You, know, you resent the inequity. You resent not being paid attention to. You resent the callousness of people. You resent the indifference of others. And when Jesus says forgive, you hate the idea of not being able to touch the bottom of your grievance. Or maybe it's your status. You've worked hard to get to a certain place and you like the rank that you've achieved. You like the attention you get. You like the shallow end of your secure position. And you hate the idea of giving that away. And besides, you say, isn't it the survival of the fittest? There's so much we could let go of. So Jesus loves us enough to pull us into the deep end. He says, welcome to the deep, because the deep is where we love. The deep is where we let go, and we let ourselves, the, give ourselves the chance to be in the way of love. And to love is risky and scary, and it feels like you can't touch bottom, and you feel vulnerable, and you wonder if the water will hold you up, and you may not even be appreciated, and you might get hurt. But Jesus lets us free, and so we do things like give to the poor and we forgive the person who's hurt us and we swallow our pride and we say that friendship is more important than the opinions I have and we give our money away because what we already have what we need and we spitter and we spatter and we choke and we swim we swim and it's okay if the bottom is deep and we can't quite touch because we're swimming we're floating on the grace of God, we're floating on the gift of love, and it's so much better than the safety of the shallows. Up where I used to live, a seven-year-old girl named Jennifer got sent a financial appeal from the local Salvation Army, seven years old. It was a mistake. You don't send financial appeals to seven-year-olds. Or maybe you do. Little Jennifer opened up the envelope that had been addressed to her, and she read that $5 will feed a hungry person. $5? <laughs> she went to her little allowance bank and found 50. Well, I'll feed 10 people. So she emptied the bank, stuffed it into the envelope, and sent it off. She said it made her happy. Family and friends heard the story and added another $5,000. It's probably why Jesus said the children are the one who get the kingdom. Thread that eye of the needle. Are you shocked? Are you astounded when Jesus tells you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor? And then right now you have as much chance of entering the kingdom of God as a camel has of passing through the eye of a needle. 
or that you should forgive 70 times seven or that you must love your enemy? Does that shock you and astound you? Do you feel yourself vice-gripping the forearms of Jesus as he pulls you deeper? Do you feel terror as Jesus attempts to have you let go? If so, you may be closer to the kingdom than you think. For with God, all things are possible. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.